My guest Claire Jorgensen knows her stuff, but it's not just because she is a coach that focuses on the restoration of the marriage relationship. She knows what she's doing because she has walked through it herself. Claire is convinced that all marriages can be saved, and she has an incredible ability to support those that are fighting for this all-important relationship. This episode is definitely one of my favorites, so bless yourself and take a listen. Welcome to Blended. I am your host, Jeremiah Wallace, and my goal is to see blended families thriving. If you are navigating this experience, then you're in the right place. This podcast is purposed to provide support, information, and the encouragement that we need to fulfill our family's potential. All right, Blenders, I have a very special guest here with me, a Claire Jorgensen. How you doing today? I'm really good. Thank you, Jeremiah. Awesome. People are going to have questions concerning the accent and where <laughs> you reside. So if you can let them know where you're speaking from. Yes. So I'm originally from Ghana, but I live in Denmark and have lived here for almost two decades. Very cool. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for being on. And as we get going, if you can let people know from what place you're speaking from as a coach serving individuals in marriage relationships, how do you operate as a coach? Yes. So I um, I do have a niche, which I call um, Save Your Marriage. And so I have a mission to help couples to, you know, save their marriage, revive it, mm -hmm. restore it, whatever saving the marriage means to them, because I believe so much in um, in Happy Ever After, in the beautiful family unit where um, both mom and dad are working together. And so that's my niche. And I coach both women individually and men individually and couples as well. I have a Christian background. So I use the Bible as my main go-to. And I have quite a lot of interest and curiosity in neuroscience, psychology, and faith. You know, the three things and how they meet. <laughs> so I'm yeah. also pursuing that. Very cool. Awesome. And how long have you been operating in this capacity? So I have been doing this, um, I think, for the last five years. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually I have been working full time alongside whilst I've been doing this. So it's actually just this year that I decided I want to make myself available to serve more people. So it's only been, you know, quite recently that I'm fully available and serving in the capacity as a coach. Yeah. And I have no doubt that it has been a blessing to many. And I love the fact that there are individuals that are fighting for marriages. That's such a big deal. It's wild. The amount of people and resources available for those that are attempting to achieve otherwise. So to know that those, there are people that are fighting for the marriage relationship is, is so cool, which is, which is why we're speaking because I'm also fighting for marriage relationships they're essential amazing amazing yeah yes. it's a it's a blessing um and while my accent is not as awesome as yours i hope <laughs> you have a nice I, accent. Hope, <laughs> I hope to maintain the attention 
of those listening. Yeah. Uh, a little jealous, a little jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well, let's uh, go ahead and hop right into it. The first mm-hmm. question I'll ask is what have you found as a coach that people often misunderstand about marriage and what it takes to make the marriage relationship work? Yes. So um, there are a few things and I just, I think I'll try and stick to maybe just a few up to three. So the first thing um, that really strikes me, and I think it was also my story was um, it appears as if there are a lot of us that go into marriage to start with, with the wrong expectations. <laughs> what I mean by that is a marriage is as good as the two individuals that are going into it or the two individuals that are in it. And for whatever reason, I think it has to do with, uh, you know, TV or whatever it is we are watching. We go into marriage assuming that, you know, whoever we are, as soon as we enter into the marriage, we'll be, you know, we become, ex- you know, exponentially more awesome, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is which is not what happens because it's two individuals um, coming with all their beautiful, you know, the beauties in them, but also all the challenges in them. And, you know, at least beginning to figure out who are we, you know, who am I as an individual, who are you as an individual, and who are we together? And that in itself, you know, creates friction and it's challenging. So we go into the marriage not having this realistic expectation that we are going to have to work on this together, you know, deliberately, intentionally. And so that's one of the first, you know, misconceptions or misunderstandings that we all, a lot of us have. And then reality hits and then it almost looks like we we get a big shock, like, who is this person that I married? Um, And it's not like the person became a really horrible person or you became a horrible person, but it's just the person is also trying to find their feet. So are you. And, you know, this, if we could get the understanding that the two of us are going to have to work together, put in effort, there's going to be challenges, but we will get through it if we are both intentional. So I think that's a first misconception. The second one is, um, and that was also how I used to be until, you know, I got saved myself, (laughs) is, you know, when things are not working, obviously I, you know, I am trying and most of us try really hard when things are not working but in as much as we are trying we also really focus on what the other person is doing and get to a place of distress because we are so annoyed (laughs) irritated unhappy with the other person and the truth is if you focus on something whatever you focus on it expands so the fact that i'm merely you know focusing on what my partner is doing wrong that thing becomes so huge so large and my own issues diminish in my eyes. Um, it makes me powerless actually in the situation because I get to a point where I expect that they have to fix themselves. And if they fix themselves, this marriage is going to be amazing. And it's really true. I've worked with so many couples. I actually haven't met any couple where one person is 100% a big issue and the other person is, you know, an angel. So that's never the issue. So it's this, you know, um, misconception that somebody has to fix themselves. Um, and typically is the other person. I think that's something that a lot of people that I work with, you know, get a shock when my approach is let's look at, let's look at you. Let's start with you. 
um, before we look at what the other person is doing or who the, the other person is or what, you know, what mess is going on there. And when we, that was also my story. When I started working on myself, I mean, it appears, I don't know, my husband's issues vanished. I got different perspective. I'm not sure what happened. There's a mixture of a lot of <laughs> stuff that went on there that are still very blurred to me, to be honest. But when I started doing my part and started showing up as, you know, a, you know, a beautiful, amazing wife, um, where it was about how I showed up, it appeared as if, you know, the problems themselves were not even as big as I, you know, I was exaggerating it. So that's the other thing. And then I think the, um, the third one that I'll mention is um, my experience is, you know, when something goes wrong, which does in most marriages, um, sometimes, you know, we get a bit disheartened, like, can I really move on from this? Whatever it is. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, that place of, I'm not sure if I have the strength, if I can, you know, pick this up, you know, it's, um, it's also another misconception because what I have experienced is as soon as we decide we want to pick it up, you know, especially those of us that are Christians, God gives us all the strength and the thing becomes much stronger, much better than what it was before, you know, the, the, the situation. That's really good. Wow. And I tend to place emphasis on the premarital counseling that it's just, I feel like it's lacking right now. Either it's transpiring and we are not being honest during this phase, as honest as we need to be for those that are providing the service or people are just not putting themselves in a position to prepare for the marital relationship. Um, have you seen this as well? Yes, I have actually started doing quite a lot of premarital counseling as well, um, where I take each individual, I take them individually, and then I take them together as a couple. Um, and you are right, at least before I got married, the kind of premarital counseling that I had, it was really good, actually, because in my church, you had to do it for six months. Um, and, you know, I was asked tough questions because, I mean, my husband is a white male and a black female. They asked us some really tough questions. Do you guys know, even know anything about <laughs> how difficult it is to be in an interracial marriage? You're like, oh, what yeah. is alone? <laughs> um, but some of the things they asked us along the way when the things popped their head, you know, they showed up, we're like, hmm. They actually did tell us about this, you know. So at least we had some difficult conversations, but I can see that um, at least my approach and some people that I know that I also recommend for premarital counseling, we are we are actually going deeper um, and we are digging into really um, like real questions, you know, yeah. in every area, in every aspect. One, for example, a very simple area like finances, I don't know why, but, you know, I've, we find out a lot that this is something that a lot of people don't talk about, you know, in extreme detail before they go into my, it's like, oh, of course we'll put our economy together. Who knows? But that's not good enough. You know, you know, you've got to find out, you know, whatever mess that per the, the other person has put themselves into before you go into marriage with them and get a really unpleasant wake up call. Or you need to share whatever, you know, good things that you have done for each, you have done for yourself financially before you go into it. And th this is an area where I spend quite a lot of time because it is one of those areas that a lot of people get an unpleasant reality check when they go into marriage, if they haven't been talking about it in, in detail. Yeah. So you are right that premarital counseling can help a lot. It can help the couple to, 
you know, first of all, get to know each other on a different level, but also to ask important questions and be, you know, enter the marriage with open eyes. You know, what am I getting myself into? Yeah. And obviously when you've already married, it is no longer premarital, but you can still achieve some of those same results in that you ask hard questions, you put yourself in a position to get some accountability as far as the couples and whatnot. So is it possible to kind of get the same result of premarital counseling on the other side of marriage? Yes, it is, especially if this is sought after early you're actually in a better position because now, you know, all the, you know, all the drama of preparing for a wedding or whatever it is, you know, all the stress, not knowing yeah. it's, it's over. So now you are a bit settled. So in actually just after marriage, within the first year or two, it's highly recommended to actually sit together. It's okay. Now we've gotten to know each other a bit, you know, what, what are the challenges that have come up? Can we work through it? People that do that, it really goes a long way to help the marriage. If you wait a little bit and you get around five years, baggage has already picked up. It's still good, but you have to work through more things because now I have hurt you. You have hurt me. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about what you did and what I did before we actually get the benefits out of, you know, the counseling sessions. So at any stage, I always say as long as both parties are open to coaching or counseling, it is highly recommended. Do it because what happens is you get, if the marriage is really in trouble, you get to a point where at least one person just is not interested in all these coaching counseling things. And it makes it challenging and tricky because typically both parties need to be worked on or need to work on themselves before we work together. Um, yeah. and for some people it's okay to just start together, but a lot of the times it's better to take each of you. So if I've decided I'm not interested in any counseling, I mean, my partner can still do a lot of work and, you know, get the marriage to a very good place, but it's, it's a lot of work that he has to do to pull all of us together as compared to if I put my weight a bit and he did his, you know, we will get there much quicker. So I always recommend if your partner is interested, please do it before one of you check out. Take advantage. Absolutely. Exactly. And I love that you you uh, acknowledged that window early on after marriage transpires where there is a willingness. There is a, a kind of a young fight present within the relationship prior to resistance, obstacles and any troubles that you come across. There is almost, you know, the butterflies are still going. So it's like, let's do what we must in order to make this work. So premarital preferred soon after marriage, also a really good time frame. I think people need to hear that for sure. Um, so you kind of alluded to this idea that working on yourself is very important and to do the personal work opposed to focusing or placing emphasis on the shortcomings, the deficits and whatever issues are being presented on the other side. Uh, with the spouse. So what is it that people are really saying when they suggest that their spouse isn't holding up their end of the deal or carrying their weight? Yes. So when it comes to talking about our partners, and I mean, I have to acknowledge that, you know, people sometimes come also with issues where you know, the partner is just doing some strange things, honestly. Um, we do have those mm-hmm. <laughs> situations yeah. as well. 
Um, but there, there are also a lot of um, situations that I have been involved in or helped people with where, yes, the partner could change, but that's not the, the, the biggest issue in the marriage. Um, and that's the reason why professional can help you get a different perspective. And I'll give, for example, I mean, I was, I have also been in a place like that where I wanted to start up something that was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, um, and this idea was I was going to help, you know, um, artisans in Africa and, you know, I'll be selling their stuff mainly to Scandinavia. Um, and you could see who you were buying from. You could see exactly what they were earning um, when you bought it as compared to what they would otherwise earn. Fantastic idea. My husband, uh, <laughs> I mean, he didn't really, he was thinking, okay, how many of these things you need to sell before we can pay our bills? I mean, he didn't say anything rude. He was just being uh-huh. honest. And because of my issues, um, and I call it my issues because he never said you cannot do it. He never, he didn't do anything, but I got into a place like, you are not supporting me. You are not a very supportive husband. You are the reason why I never did this. And then, I mean, I started doing it. I was, you know, it was actually a good business. People really loved the concept, but I stopped. And then I blamed him for it. Now, the point is, <laughs> yes, he could have said, he didn't because he was being an honest partner. Like, I'm not sure about this. You know, I think it's a fantastic hobby if you do it along the, you know, alongside your job. But my issues with, you know, being able to stand up for myself or doing something I believe in, my ability to believe in myself was lacking. So as soon as my partner didn't cheer me on and hop around, you know, my insecurities came in and I gave up. And I see issues like this a lot where it is about me because I know my husband. If I just continue, I mean, he was helping me, you know, when the shipments came, orders came in, he'll go and ship it anyway. But he was not hopping around every day like I wanted him mm-hmm. to. And in marriage, you cannot, you know, project, <laughs> you know, things onto your partner and then expect them to, you know, live up to it when in reality it is about you yourself. And I see a lot of issues like this where it is about my confidence. It is about my self-esteem. It is about my desperate need for validation. And we all need validation from our partners to some extent. But there is a level where it is unhealthy. Um, when you need that much validation and then the person is not given it, then we can come up with all sorts of terms. Now, when it comes to a partner genuinely misbehaving, and I always go to the Bible, you know, and uh, there are two Bible verses that I absolutely love when it comes to how we should relate to each other as partners. And I always say that, and I said it earlier, I'll say it again, the marriage is as healthy as the two individuals in it. If I am, you know, having a fantastic relationship with God and you are having a fantastic relationship with God, there is no way we can be in a marriage that will not be an amazing marriage. And I always create this picture um, where, you know, if we are, um, let's take, for example, a triangle. I, you know, I, I use two symbols. I use a triangle and I use the sign of the cross. When you take a triangle and, you know, you draw a line and then it goes up here. And let's say God is, you know, or Christ is at the tip and I am on one side and you are on the other side. If we all lean towards Christ, we get close to each other in the good way. Now, what we do is we lean towards each other. You know, you do this, I do this. And the Bible tells us that we are broken and Christ meant us. So the thing that makes us whole and makes us beautiful is Christ. So if you are going to look at me, Claire, and 
who I am, ooh, it's not necessarily ever going to be pretty or perfect. That's what the Bible tells us. And if I'm going to look at you and, you know, who you are, you are never going to be pretty in your own self, in your, you know, in your flesh. You are going to be righteous, perfect, amazing the more you get close to Christ. So if we both just focus on Christ, like the triangle, we will meet in the middle and in a beautiful place in Christ. It's the same thing as the cross, the sign that I also use um, sometimes. So the cross is like, you know, again, our relationship to God is a vertical relationship and our relationship to each other is a horizontal one. And we in marriage, you know, especially when challenges come, we tend to do this vertical. We are just on this level. And it's very challenging to be just on this level. God wants us to go do the vertical because as we do the vertical, we also automatically, like in the triangle, get close. So do the vertical thing, my relationship with Christ, your relationship with Christ, and then our relationship with each other. We can also build it in a good place. So the two Bible verses that I love, I know people don't like one of them, but you know, let me just quote it. And uh, and that is Ephesians. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Um, I, I used to also be one of those people that used to think, oh God, who even cares about these Bible verses? Um, but, you know, I, I think God gave me a revelation that, you know, was absolutely amazing. And the first one is Ephesians 5.22 to 33 where it talks about it starts off and tells wives submit yourselves to your own as husbands as you do to the lord and it tells the husbands that you know for the it says the husband is the head of the wife as christ is the head of the church um his body of which he is the savior so then it continues in 25 and says husbands love your wives just as christ loved the church now this is absolutely amazing and then it goes on and says and give him himself up for hair, the Bible actually uses the the letter, the word hair, you know, describe the church. Now, what am I going on about about this scripture is if I do my submission and submission, I mean, I'm married to a Danish man and in Denmark, we are pretty equal. Um, my husband is not a dictator. That's like, he doesn't do that. But I still submit to him and I'm so happy and proud and grateful to be to have the privilege to submit to him because the Bible says I should submit. When I say submit, what do I mean? Of course, we have conversations about things. Of course, we decide things um, together. But there are times where we absolutely disagree and we are on two different sides. And this is where I, as a wife, I decide I'm going to submit and let him be the head. Now, the Bible says that he is my head and Christ is his head. Which means, you know, God is his boss. <laughs> so if I'm gonna, I'm trying to get to him, and he's like, "No, we are gonna do it this." I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna go to your boss." And I go to God, and I speak to God, and it has happened so many times that I have a conversation with God, and then he comes back and he changes his mind. He's like, "Oh, I actually thought about it. I prayed about this, and I think we should do what you said we should do because." He is doing what he is also supposed to do to love me. So as we are disagreeing for him to love me, he's also talking to God and saying, God, what do you think about this? You know, instead of being, I'm a man, you know, he's like, let me talk to God about this because she seemed to really think about this in a certain way. But at the same time, instead of me being emotional and crying, I also go to God. So because we all have a boss who is righteous, who is perfect, who is all knowing, if we do our part, you know, we are good. But if I submit and my husband doesn't love me, that's where the challenge comes. Or he loves me and I don't submit. So every time we have an argument, I want to have the last word. And, you know, I'm a modern woman, so I'm going to have the last word. 
this is where the friction starts. But for us, we decide the Bible is our manual. So when we disagree, where do we go? The Bible. The Bible is very clear. It says, wives, submit. I'm like, okay, I'm going to submit. And we joke about it. We even joke about it. It's like, yeah, I'm the head, you're the tail. I'm like, whatever. You better make sure the decision you made is the right one. And we joke about it. It doesn't have to be some, you know, some nasty conversation. Um, and I'm talking about things where we are each emotionally attached to. Now, then the Bible goes on in First Peter 3 and then addresses what if I am doing my part, but my partner is just not doing their part. What do I do? Then the Bible tells us in First Peter 3 that then your conduct will change your partner. And I have experienced it so many times. I've experienced it for me. I've experienced my conduct changing my husband. I've experienced his conduct changing me. Because, for example, we have a nasty fight and then I'm just misbehaving. And then he loves me. And then I'm like, hmm. <laughs> and that changes me. That changes my, my, my behavior. That makes me repent. Rather than he saying that was a terrible attitude of yours. He actually loves me because I don't expect that from him, you know, obviously in a situation like that. When people are misbehaving, you know what they know they are misbehaving. When people are misbehaving, this is my mantra in life. When we are misbehaving as human beings, most of the time we know we are misbehaving. There are a few times where we don't know because we are blinded. But when people are misbehaving to a certain extent, we are aware. You know, as a human race, we are very smart. We are aware we are misbehaving. So, and at the same time, sometimes, you know, my, I'm praying about something that my husband is doing. I, I'm not, I don't really like, we have had conversations and then the Bible, you know, the Holy Spirit reminds me, what does the Bible say you should do? The Bible says your conduct. And typically the conduct is conduct in alignment with the principles of Christ, loving him, forgiving him, being kind. That is what changes people. It is not the nagging. It is not the finger pointing. It is not the blaming. I have tried that, believe you me. It doesn't change people. It doesn't change me. It doesn't change my husband. So when it comes to a partner, you know, um, misbehaving, let me use those words. You know, the Bible tells us and holds us accountable. I need to do my part. Even though my partner is messing up, I cannot also start messing up. Um, it doesn't help anything. So I need to do my part. But on top of it, we all have a common boss, you know, which is God or a common father, someone that absolutely loves us. I can talk to him and he says, and he promises me, Claire, if you will let me use your conduct, I can use your conduct to change your, your husband. Or, you know, my husband is called Anders. If you let me use your conduct, I can change Claire in this. Now, one of the things that the Lord told me, and I'm, I'm going to stop there, which really blew my mind is, you know, because it was a period where I was really complaining about something about my husband. I'm like, God, what is this? What is this? Make this go away. And, you know, God was like, well, I've told you, if I can use your conduct, I'll change him. So if I'm not succeeding in changing him, your conduct. And that really pissed me off. Excuse my language. I was like, really? <laughs> this too is about me, God? You know, I mean, how can it even be about me? Everybody knows I am right in this one. But the truth is, the minute I allowed my conduct to align with God. The problem went away. It's a truth. Man, what a blessing, the revelation. And when people hear this, as they listen to it, there is this immediate kind of rejection 
or cringe concerning these concepts of specifically the term submission. And unfortunately, because of the absence of a man submitting to God, the submitting to a husband is something that is deemed whether impossible or because things are out of order, there's almost a just a difficulty, a natural and spiritual difficulty that is produced in the efforts to submit to a husband. So it really is. It goes back to the foundation on which marriages are supposed to stand and the original design and order of them. This is a, a covenantal relationship provided by God, but we've kind of taken that from him and we've attempted to make it our own thing and it doesn't work. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. But you know what does work? Magic mind. Surprisingly, this energy shot has less than a hundred milligrams of caffeine. Yet I've found that because it's been tailor made with ingredients that help specifically with focus, energy and creativity. Its effects last longer and are much more pleasant than those energy drinks or your average cup of coffee. You should give it a shot. Yeah, you see, see what I did there? Give it a shot. <laughs> Do so by going to www.magicmind.com slash blended and use the discount code blended 20 for up to 56% off of your subscription to a better caffeine regimen. Back to the episode. As we're speaking on the subject of order, I want to talk about husbands because there are a lot of wives there. There are both husbands and wives, but there are a lot of wives that are convinced that they're doing it on their own. They feel as if they don't have whether the support or they're not being led well by their husband and things are just out of whack. Generally speaking, it's because there is the absence of submission to the father by the husband. Um, but let's talk about those husbands really quick. What are some of the threats that marriages face when men, when husbands, fathers don't lead their families with conviction and intention? So it goes back to the premarital counseling that you were talking about, right? The foundation that we start with. And mm -hmm. I mean, we, we, it, we, we had to accept that, especially for some of us, before we went into the marriage, it was all about our feelings. You know, there are a lot of us that don't really ask God, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, um, it's about how we feel. And so if I met yeah. a man who is not necessarily committed, you know, in his relationship with Christ and I marry him, you know, expecting that just because I married him, suddenly he has become uh, someone that is submit, submitted to all the principles of Christ. I mean, that's just, again, back to the expectations. That's not realistic. But the truth about that is that the Bible talks yeah. about, you know, uh, co-inheritance. So as a, a woman of God, if I am indeed a child of God and I am, you know, my ways are, you know, in line with what God tells me to be as a woman, because I am a child of God, my husband and my kids, the Bible talks about that they get that inheritance. And I always use this example, for example, if um, at least in Denmark, if I have a Danish passport um, and my children, I brought my children from Ghana, for example, even though they still have Ghanaian passports, they do get the benefits of, you know, having a mom with a Danish passport. So they get to go to school for free. They get to, they get all the benefits that comes under, even though they themselves, they still hold Ghanaian passports. Um, and this is exactly what, 
Christ also promises us. It's absolutely mind-blowing and it's amazing. So you become then that covering. And again, it is your behavior that God will use to change the person. Now, let me talk to the men because, and when I'm doing premarital counseling with men, you know, the women always think I'm strict, you know, I'm hard on them, but I'm, I'm harder on the men because I'm like, are you willing to lead this family spiritually, you know? And I do encounter situations where the woman is stronger than the man, which means I push the man. I'm like, you are the head and it's not just head. You are the spiritual head of this family and you're going to have to accept that and step into that role because if the man decides to put christ in the center of his life it automatically affects the family on um, on a whole other level i'll talk about my own story so my husband and i i was the one that was more you know i call myself more i'll call myself more christian but anyway that was questionable but i used to like to go to church you know sing in church do stuff in church my husband will come to church with us if you know he's on duty and he's taking care of the kids he loved seven but he was not really into it. So you would you could see that clearly I was more into God. And I mean, he was definitely not going to read his Bible or, but the truth is, I remember one time praying and God telling me that even though you are, you know, outwardly, you, you look like you are more interested in me. Your husband has more faith. I was like, oh, that's not true. <laughs> he has more faith, you know? So, and that was true when we, we met a challenge in life. I realized that he was this solid you know, he just had this solid, firm conviction that God was just going to come through for us, um, which was weird for me to watch. Yeah. I'm like, really? How do you know? He's like, I don't know. I don't know where it stands in the Bible, but I just know. And when I then started aligning to the Bible, now this is what happened. My husband, you know, without me making noise, I used to nag in this house on Sundays. Let's go to church. He wants to go fishing. He likes fishing, hunting. And, you know, brunch that Sunday. And I'm like, how, can, you know, what's that? <laughs> you know, and, you know, sometimes he will bring our son at that time. We only had our son at that time. He will bring our son with him. So not only is he not going to church, he's also distracting. And, you know, you have a six-year-old boy and like, let's go to church. Let's go fishing. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how I was going to sell my church. So, but the minute my husband stepped into a place where he decided to have a relationship with Christ. It's like every Sunday in this house, we all go to church. The kids love church. Something has changed, you know. And so I always tell the men that you have such a huge responsibility when it comes to the spirituality of the family that the woman can do a lot. But if you don't step into that leadership, it becomes, you know, a thing of the woman. The children may follow her, but it is until the man takes that leadership that the entire family becomes this Christian family. So for the men, it is, it's like the Bible says, love your wife like Christ loved the church. How are you going to love them like Christ loved the church when you don't know how Christ loved the church? So for you to do your part, you actually have a huge responsibility to get to know Christ, to understand what he did. Um, and to be honest, to the men's defense, when the man himself is not solid yet, when he comes into the marriage and they marry women like me that are like, Ooh, on fire. We, we don't make it attractive and I didn't make it attractive. So when I stopped nagging, you know, my husband, you know, and I prayed and instead prayed and asked God, if you said, this is my head, you're going to have to make him, you know, become the right head. And God worked on him. In fact, my husband is now leading, um, 
what is it called? We have these alpha courses where, you know, you, it's, it's, I think it's something that is made bigger in, in Europe where they, it's like an open house and they make food and then they invite anybody and you can come and talk about Christ. You know, it doesn't matter whether you believe or you don't believe, you can ask any questions. Nothing is off limits. And by having those conversations, and I think it's 12 sessions, uh, 12 weeks, by having those conversations, people get converted to Christ. It's mind-blowing. And when we started doing this, of course, when they asked us to serve, I mean, I was to serve, to you know, facilitate. My husband was like, I'm going to help you guys in the kitchen. I'm going to cook. I'm going to, you know, um, <laughs> do stuff. And I remember the first time having this conversation. Why? Why won't you facilitate? It's not such a big deal. You're not supposed to know anything. You're just supposed to help people to have conversations. And you do this at work all the time. But he didn't. He wasn't interested. And just yesterday, he told me because now he's going, I'm not, I'm not part of the... He's like, oh, I'm facilitating. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? He's like, because you just make an excessive deal out of it. The point I'm making is I am not even, I don't even know what he's doing anymore in the kingdom. It's, it's not my focus. And in the past, it was like, why are you not going to church? Why are you not reading the Bible? And it was, it just repelled him and anything that had to do with Christianity. When I stepped away and I left it to God, now he's doing stuff that I'm not even aware of. Apparently, I'm the only person in the church. Who doesn't know that he's leading sessions and he's teaching? I'm like, wow, since when did my husband become? And when I talk about it, it sounds very, very light. But I mean, I'm married to a Danish man that before I met, probably hadn't entered a church for 10 years. So, and then along the way, now he is the one leading in church, you know, and it wasn't, I didn't do anything. It was God himself that called him. It was God himself that has worked with him. So uh, the only thing that I did differently at a point was let God work on me and my conduct and leave him alone. So even if the person is not always in church, if you're a man and you're not always in church, you're not always, you know, reading the Bible, that's not how you were brought up. If you just have the desire, you know, and you pray to God about it, you will be surprised like what God showed me. My husband, who didn't like going to church, had more faith than me. God told me very, very bluntly, and I argued a lot with God. <laughs> and then God proved it to me that, I don't need him to be in church every Sunday before I have a relationship with him. You can pray for him. You can make me attractive to him and leave him. But the minute my husband stepped into that role where he was even curious about his relationship with Christ, something changed in this house for me, for the kids and for all of us. So the woman can do everything, but the spiritual head of the house, it has to be the husband. It has to be the man. So men, you have a huge responsibility, but you are helped by God. So when you then become the one that the woman is praying about, you do understand why it's a big problem that you are not pulling your weight spiritually, but we also need to pray about you. Yeah. So I've found in working with women as well that it can oftentimes stem from an issue of trust uh, and uh, an inability to trust their husband, believing that they need to be an integral part of their development and them coming along and their progress in Christ, in work, in parenting, all that stuff. Like they have to be hands on. Um, they don't trust that this is something that they can do in and of themselves. And then there's also a lack of trust as far as God's involvement in his hand over the husband and how he's leading them. Um, so there is the overcoming 
this angst that comes from that, I believe I've found. And then how did you stir yourself up to step back? Because there is the overcoming of that, you know, mistrust and many other things in order to assume the position where you're just allowing God to do his work and then trusting that your, your husband is going to take the necessary steps of faith and practical steps to, to grow. So I had to trust God. I remember God vividly asking me one time, you know, do you trust me? Um, and so when we would like to control how our husbands become, you know, our, our wives, because sometimes it's the other way, get to know God or, uh, you know, you have a relationship with God. It's because, like you said, we don't trust, you know, that, you know, he will do it. But I don't trust my husband that he will do it. I trust God, that God cares about his soul much more than I will ever care about his soul. That's why Christ was sent to die for us. So, I mean, it's not even my husband alone. It's everybody. God cares about every individual. So for me, as a child of God, of course, God has got him. And so my concerns for my husband, it's really minute, tiny, as co- as compared to God's concerns for him, because I know him only a little. God knows him totally. So there are even aspects of him that I have no clue about, that if I found out, I probably would faint. <laughs> but God knows all these things, you know, and he cares about him and the clock ticks for God. God is quick. You know, sometimes we think God is very slow or, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, when we pray, it takes so long. It's not true. Because for me, what I, I had to do is I had to learn to hear from God myself and have my own relationship with God and talk to God about it and hear God telling me to trust him, God, in the process. And when I started trusting God and I keep getting back to it, I realized that I had work to be done on me. I had my own stuff going on. So suddenly I was busy with myself, you know, with God helping me through things that I I didn't have time to focus on. You know, it's like you're writing an exam. Focus on your exams papers. You haven't finished. You haven't passed. You're going to look over somebody's shoulder and find out how are you doing in your own exams. And so... Whilst I focus on my own exams, God did his own thing. And this is, I mean, it sounds simple and it sounds bizarre, but this is one of the things that I share a lot with, you know, women. And um, and I have so many women that can testify to you that whenever I'm talking to them, they are skeptical. But when they experience it themselves, they come back and testify that if you focus on your journey with God, God is faithful. He will deal with the other person. He will deal with, that's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit that he doesn't just deal with Claire. He deals with Claire and Amos, Claire's husband at the same time. So it looks as if nothing is happening there, but believe you me, a lot is going on there. But the point is for me to even see the change in my husband, God needs to sometimes work on me because my view and my perception, he could change and I'll still not see it because I'm looking in a very different way. So it it was me trusting God and saying the same way that you found me, because I don't believe I found myself or I found Christ for myself. I believe Christ was looking for me and he looked harder and looked, you know, further and he searched for me and he put in so much effort for me to, you know, come to him in the same way that he found me. He is absolutely going to find my husband, not just my husband, my children as well, or anybody that is important to me that I'm praying about. 
And I am, I'm a huge testimony. You know, if my husband were here, he would tell you. We used to have fights when I'm praying, I'm leading prayer sessions. He would open the door and say, why are you screaming? You're making noise. Like, seriously. <laughs> You're making noise, you know? Because <laughs> it used to irritate him. The whole thing irritated him, you know? And now this man, and it's, I, I did nothing in that. I have to just say this. I did nothing in that mist there. Mm-hmm. The whole thing happened with, I'm like, I, I, know even, I don't even know what he's doing. He's going for male, you know, men retreats, you know, and sometimes I ask him, what do you guys do in these retreats, you know, and we laugh about it, but it's like a group of men, 24 men going to a place, praying together, spending like a whole week, praying, cooking, waiting on God. It's, um, if you told me just five years ago that my husband will, I mean, even go to church much more go to a men's retreat. I'll be like, are you seriously? <laughs> are you serious out of you seriously out of your mind? And it was me trusting God and leaving it to God. And because God is a better person to leave this burden in, you know, in the hands of, I chose to do that. If I didn't do that, I would distress myself. I used to be worried. I used to say, hey, we are all going to hell. We are probably all going to hell, you know. We don't go to church. <laughs> we are not doing anything the Bible says you should do. We barely read our Bible in this house. And I used to joke about it, you know, that we're probably all going to hell. But as my heart cried out to God and said, God, we, I want to desire you. I want my family to know you. I want my husband, my head to know you and walk with you and grow in you. I mean, that's a prayer that God will answer. There are some prayers that, you know, when you pray, it is God's will anyway. He will He will attend to it. He will do something about it. But you have to leave it to him. If you mingle and, you know, nag and, you know, worry them, it's not attractive. It actually repels them instead. Yeah, that's really good. And I want to touch on really accountability for yourself. I could make some assumptions concerning what that may have looked like for you. But when you found yourself in this at this point where you are stepping back, where you are crying out to God and you are there's a uh, reformation in the way that you function as a, a wife did you have accountability, whether women or other mentors that are speaking into your life or that you've put yourself in a position to receive from, whether critically and just anything in between? Yes, I did. And um, so for, for those that haven't heard my story, so my husband and I actually got divorced. And, and that's the reason why I genuinely believe that most marriages can be saved if you put Christ in it. And I, I mean, I've always been a Christian. My husband has been mm, some kind of Christian. We all claim we are Christians. We got divorced. But after the divorce, there was one time where I had a chat with, you know, a Christian counselor. And um, she, I mean, I don't know, but I think God sent her to me because in the conversation, something snapped inside me where it suddenly dawned on me that I am so focused on what my husband did wrong in that marriage. And even though I thought I was doing my part, very hard, you know, some way, somehow deeply inside me, I also knew there was, there were some things I could have done better. So she opened that door for me. And and so that's accountability. And then I started spending a lot of time with her, actually speaking to her and spending that much time because she also came from, I mean, she didn't get divorced, but she came from a place where she was very miserable in marriage. And also God gave her the same revelation, like, let me work on you. And, you know, after God worked on her, God then started using her, you know, as a counselor to help. So, you know, that was also her story. And then, so suddenly I started working on myself, but I had, 
you know, this person to keep listening to, to keep praying with, to keep helping me, to keep coaching me. And I still have a coach myself. I still have counselors myself. I always say to people, don't, don't, don't work with anybody who doesn't have anybody that is also working on them. You know, we grow continuously. So I had no. not just one person, but a whole group eventually where, you know, as I was, people have actually watched my journey, to be honest, um, where we went from now we are divorced and now God was working on me and I was, I was beginning to do, you know, act differently. And then my husband and I started getting that, that time, my ex-husband and I started getting back together and we got remarried and, you know, and how now I firmly believe that our marital breakdown had nothing to do with him or me. It had to do with purely the fact that we didn't have Christ in our lives, you know, there was no Christ in our marriage. As soon as we brought Christ back into it, the, the whole story changed. And so I work with people and people help me and I speak to people. And when I am in that place where it's like, ooh, this is challenging, um, I, I have people that I can go to and call, first of all, to pray with me, second of all, to seek godly counsel. And I always tell people, be deliberate about the counsel that you want to seek, you know, uh, part of the reason why I got divorced was because I have one person that was speaking to me and this person didn't like men. They, and, and I mean, it's not to blame somebody else, but it, it pushed me, <laughs> you know, it made me, you know, feel like, yes, I'm going to get a divorce, you know? So if you don't want a divorce, don't go hang out with people that, you know, are complaining about men or women all the time. It doesn't help you. But if you also want Christian advice in your marriage, Make sure that you are deliberately seeking Christian counsel. And for me, that's what I do now, that I, I want that Christian perspective, but also somebody that is a professional that I can work with. So short, you know, long answer to your short question is yes, indeed. I have coach counselors. I have a group of women. I, we pray together. Um, if, if you're a lady and, you know, you're struggling through marriage, I mean, I we have these monthly sessions where we actually put our issues down and we pray together and we support each other. I always tell both men and women that don't do this work alone. You know, there is something in the army of Christ, you know, we can pray together with you. We may not be able to do everything for you, but as a minimum, we can pray together with you and you can get some godly counsel as well. So good. And the reason I'm so glad you spoke into that and I bring it up because there is the absence of accountability in marriage relationships or sometimes the extent of it is someone relaying some of their trials. It's from their perspective alone and their whether their parent, whether it is someone that is vested in their experience uh, specifically, they're just like, OK, everything that you said is true. Sounds like a terrible guy or sounds like a terrible wife. You should probably go ahead and move, move on from that relationship. And that is the extent of so many people's accountability. And it is to the detriment of the family unit in its entirety, to be honest. So, so I could have assumed <laughs> I would have accurately assumed the amount of support and accountability you had because that's what's necessary for, uh, for marriage and family. We can't do it by ourselves. Exactly. And I even had um, one of my Danish girlfriends and she's not even a Christian. I remember, and, and, and again, back to accountability, have the right people to support you. And I remember, um, you know, when 
I mean, she saw the mess that went on with my husband. I think she even told my husband of one of the days, one of the times in the midst of our fights. She's my friend. She's my husband's friend. So she can play both roles. And I remember when we were trying to get back together, me calling her and telling her, oh, listen, you know, Anna's and I are trying. She was like, I am so rooting for you with everything inside me. I hope you get back together. And there's somebody that got divorced herself, you know, so she could also have been a man hater. But no, she was like cheering me on, like literally cheering me on every day saying, I hope for, you know, I hope for you and the kids that you guys can work this out together. And when we got back together, she was so happy. You could just see the joy in her heart that we were able to save our marriage, you know. And so for me, people like that, if I, she was in a very important position in my life that if she said, hmm. Do you remember what he did? Do you remember how miserable you were? You know, it could have affected me, you know, and sometimes people even hide it, hide the fact that they are trying to work it together because they are afraid of what people will say to them. Then these are not the right people for you in that phase of your life. So she really cheered me on. And until today, whenever I speak to her, I can't care because I'm like, you played a big role because you were like, I was so I was so shocked. I'm like, you saw everything he did, right? She's like, yeah, I did. But I also know he's a nice guy. And I know you guys are challenges and you're good together. And I'm cheering you on. And both of you have changed. So I'm very sure that you can work this together this time. And she, does, she doesn't really understand the whole Christian thing. I don't understand what this whole Christian thing is about. But I think it's good for you guys. And I'm cheering you on, you know. So find the right people. It's so critical. Wow, that's awesome. I love it. Uh, well, what role does forgiveness play in restoring oh, a forgiveness relationship? Forgiveness is one of my, my biggest um, topics that I talk about, actually. Um, and the thing with forgiveness is that it's, you know, if, if I don't forgive someone for doing something to me, um, it, it is more harmful to myself than it is to the other person. And not forgiving a partner is like saying that whatever they did is so terrible that it is not redeemable by Christ. So that in itself is a posture of, um, excuse me to say, arrogance. Because I know me and I know that I have messed up as well sometimes. And not because I deliberately even go out of my way to mess up. Sometimes I mess up without realizing I have messed up. And the Bible is very clear that, you know, as we pray the Lord's prayer, forgive us as we forgive others, their trespasses. So, you know, in the, in the Christian, you know, realm, there are principles. So even if you go purely with those principles, you have to want to want to forgive. So that's the first thing. And I think most of us would like to forgive. The challenge is it's difficult. Um, and of course it is difficult. So I can't do it myself. So it's something that you have to ask God to help you with. So for me personally, if whether it's my husband or it's a friend or somebody does something to me and I, I realize that this is something that is occupying me constantly. I'm thinking about it. Whenever I think about the person, this thing that they did is what is coming to my mind. That is my clue that Claire, you, you cannot do this yourself. You are struggling to forgive. So the four words that I, I always tell people I love is my favorite words. It's so simple when I tell people they think of, you know, I just make Christianity so basic, but I can tell you that it has helped me in so many situations and it is Holy Spirit helped me. And when it comes to forgiveness, because I know how toxic unforgiveness is to me, <laughs> as soon as I realize, okay, this thing happened a week ago. I'm still thinking about it every day. Um, 
I still, when I see the person, all I want to do is to talk about it, you know, or even sometimes hurt them for hurting me. That's my clue to say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to forgive this person. Help me for my own sake to forgive this person. Now, when we forgive each other, you cannot love anybody deep, deep enough if you have never forgiven them about anything. I mean, that was Christ's way of showing us that he loves us, to die for us, forgive us our sins, and cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. So if I am in love with my husband, only to the point where he messes up, then I don't know what love really is. Because even Jesus said in Luke 17, one, that it's, I think it's Luke 17, one, that it is impossible um, for, you know, yeah, I think that's where he said that it is impossible for offense not to come. And when you have the guy, you know, who makes everything possible, using the word impossible, you've got to pay attention to it, you know. And it is only about offense that he uses the word, it is impossible for offense not to come. So whatever happens, I'm going to mess up. You're going to mess up. But if we learn to forgive each other, we also learn to truly love each other and become vulnerable. Forgiving somebody is making yourself also vulnerable to them um, and telling them that I know you're probably going to hurt me again, but I'm willing to take that chance with you. And for me, that is that is love. Um, that is what real love is. And forgiveness is so toxic. I, I've had a situation where for three years, even though I know the Bible and I know I need to forgive, I had to ask for help every day. It is a deliberate decision. Every day, God help me to forgive. Please help me. I knew whatever you do, remove the problem from my mind. God didn't. <laughs> I'm like, why would you let me forget about this? But it, it is like, almost like my life depended on it because I could see the things that were blocked because I was refusing to forgive or I was struggling to forgive. And through that journey, I think what God taught me is how difficult it is for me to do it myself. That if I need to do it, every time I need to let it go, I need to call on to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Please help me. I want to forget this. I want to, I want to get it out of my mind. I want my heart to be in a good place. Help me. And it's not just praying for myself, praying for the other person as well. I go, please help me and help the other person. Help us here. We need your help. So as for forgiveness in marriage, it is one of the basic ingredients. <laughs> one of the things that whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. You're going to have to do it. It's really good. What have you found, whether through your personal experience or those that you've worked with, what is the most difficult idea to overcome for people people to kind of get over whatever that hump is and arrive at forgiveness, whether it's the idea or the practice of forgiveness or just the exercising the prayer of Holy Spirit, help me, help me to be able to forgive. Yeah. So what I experience is that um, sometimes we think when we forgive, it means that we have lost kind of, it's like we have let ourselves go and we are not acknowledging that what the other person did is wrong. So we kind of match, you know, unforgive, you know, we match forgiveness to justice. So he did this or she did this. It is absolutely wrong. Are you telling me to just let it go? 
And so now I'm claiming what they did is right. No, nobody is saying that it is right. And this is typically linked to when there has been an affair yeah. in the marriage. It's like, are you telling me that this person having an affair, I should just let it go like that? And that's never the recipe. The recipe is, of course, I have to work through my pain of, you know, how I have been hurt. And I always tell people that the reason why something like a marital affair is actually very challenging for most people is the fact that I don't even know how I'm going to react until my, my you know, until my partner has cheated on me. I don't know. And a lot of people get shocked at how they actually react. There are some who say, oh, so me, I'm, I'm probably just going to leave the marriage. Or some who say, oh, so me, I'm sure I'll get over it. And they realize, no, you, you don't, you actually don't want to leave the marriage. You actually want to stay, um, which shocks them. Like, why do I even want to stay? You know? And so there is that anger and there is that hostility towards their partner. Why did you even put me in this situation? And, you know, having a need for us to discuss how they feel and how, you know, what has happened. And it's fine, you know, to heal yourself when that happens. But the fact that we say forgive another person, and it's what I always teach people, is, is about you. It's about, you know, liberating yourself. It's not about the other person. And it is not, and forgiveness for me is like leaving God to judge the situation. Actually, what you is the best thing you can do to leave the matter in the hands of the righteous judge. So I always say to people, pray for them as well, because if God decides to revenge, I have seen God's vengeance before and it's not pretty. So that's why the Bible tells us to actually pray for our enemies as well. So pray for the person that hurts you so that, you know, not only are you forgiving them, but God should also have mercy upon them. And people make it about it's me it's about me letting myself go and saying okay what they did is right no i am i mean i i i live by the bible and i don't judge people but if you and your partner come to me and there's been infidelity believe you me your partner will get <laughs> will get some words out of me like biblical teachings for them to understand what they have done so we never condone it but not forgiving doesn't solve the problem it's like holding on to coal with an intention to throw it at somebody who are you hurting you will hurt yourself but before you even throw it at the other person so the concept of are you telling are you saying what they did is right is what worries it's, it's what you know blocks people a lot and that's not what we are saying but also the other thing is if i forgive them it gives them the key to do it again whether you forgive them or not if they want to do it again they will do it you know Actually, forgiving them and showing them love is the sure method to stop the, the thing from happening again. So there is that misconception. I'm letting myself go and they're going to do it again. Yeah. Awesome. Well, as we close, obviously, you have uh, let the listeners know that you did experience a divorce. And I think some people may assume that maybe getting remarried to the same person is fairly easy. I don't think that would be easy, to be honest. I think that there are some um, barriers or challenges that would make the idea of getting re remarried all the more difficult. The potential threat of experiencing some of the same, the former, whether behaviors, attitudes, spirits that were present, a litany of other things yeah. that you are much more familiar with <laughs> than I am. But you obviously have a different marriage today. So what who, what do you credit for, um, for that, for the fact that you have a restored relationship that is thriving? So obviously I have to give <clears throat> credit to God, to Jesus 
Um, I always say that the only thing that we change in our marriage was we put Jesus in the midst of it. Um, and it sounds very simple and bizarre because we were both Christians at the time that we got divorced. So what was different at that time? And you are right, you know, the marriage coming back to marry the same person, you basically put, bring the luggage together with you. Um, so, and the truth is when we got back together, we got really tested because some of the challenges that we had, they showed up, you know, just, yeah, here we yeah. are. <laughs> um, but it was also God's proof to us that putting Jesus in it works because we put Jesus, we used Jesus, you know, as our guide and those problems vanished once and for all. Um, so that is also the reason why I do believe that that is the solution. The solution is I put Jesus in my life, you put Jesus in your life, and the two of us decide to do marriage according to the way God actually intended it to be, we will be good. So that's 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 the one thing I can give credit to. But I also have to give credit to the fact that I had good counseling, good godly counseling. In fact, I had a very good got you know christian council but even during my divorce period i had two coaches and i have talked about them a lot in uh, my other podcast where we are not we don't have uh, christ as a focus they were not one of them was a christian uh, but they were not allowed to practice their coaching as christians so they never said anything about christ but i remember vividly that one of them after this was even after we had divorced i went to speak to her and, um, you know, I was really obsessed with my husband, my, my ex-husband at that time. I was going on and on and on. And then she looked at me and she said, Claire, maybe you should start considering speaking nicely about your partner. Who knows what could happen if you guys might even get reconciled? And I look, I'm like, are you crazy? But what she did yeah. at that time was speak life into my future. She sowed the seed of hope at that time. That was the first thing that also, it made a huge difference. And then I had another coach where I remember before I pushed myself into divorce, she kept telling me, you don't have to make any dramatic decisions, <laughs> you know, but I did anyway. But after I also got divorced as a Christian woman, and she, I found out she was a Christian because we had a chat behind the scene. The, the thing she did for me was she made me not condemn myself. She really helped me with that divorce period of not feeling condemned because as Christians, we can also do that. You know, oh, now you got divorced. The Bible says God is divorced. And so I could see how God placed some critical people in my life and they helped along the way. But the bottom line of it is who orchestrated all these things, who helped me with all these things, it was God himself. So this Christian woman in my grieving period after I got divorced, you know, sort of cushioned me helped me to remember who I am. You are still a child of God. God still loves you. You know, this is life. You know, let's move on. Let's figure out how to get you to a good place and move on with it. So I can only give credit to God himself and to these beautiful people that God placed in my life that held my hand along the way. I'm so grateful. Yeah, that's so awesome. And one of the challenges of that is on your part is just showing up. It's just showing up. A lot of people are praying for or seeking the means necessary for things to change in their heart, in their relationship. And it's a matter of showing up, being present in your life, recognizing, even if you don't know, it is a resource or an opportunity that is ultimately making the difference. Even if you don't recognize it as such, it is getting up, showing up, putting one foot in front of the other, and then having the faith necessary to know that. No matter what, God's with you. 
And he ultimately wants what's best for yourself, for your, your spouse, even after you guys divorce, for your children. Um, and believing that and showing up really makes all the difference. And the really cool thing is he both gives us the desire as well as the will. He first gives us the desire to change and then he gives us the power necessary to take those steps. So never is it just us and our will and our whatever it is that we can muster up as far as strength. Like he's providing along the way. We just got to say yes and show up. And as a result, you're here and you're blessing families. You are part of so many people's restoration story. And that's beautiful. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Claire. What a blessing. Thank you for speaking facts and truth and hard things. <laughs> some hard information for some people to take in, but it's real. It makes all the difference. Um, if you can let the listeners know where they can find you, where they can locate your services and get in contact with you, that'd be great. Thank you. Um, so thank you so much for having me. And yes, it's a lot of heavy stuff, but you know, it's, it's actually not that difficult. Like, like Jeremiah said, Everything that I'm talking about, it, it didn't happen because I am awesome. It happened because God helped me and because he put the will and he himself showed up for me and did the work that needed to be done in me. So anybody can do this um, with God's help. Now, I have a website called claireifuajorgensen.com. Right, you can book a free transformation call uh, with me. We have also designed this um, free quiz Um that you know takes you through some questions and then it gives you some snap feedback about your marriage and where your marriage is and what potentially could move you to the next level in your marriage. I also have a free um, ebook on my website that you know gives you five steps of things to do um, to save your marriage. And I do a lot of free webinars um, and sometimes live Q and A sessions on Facebook as well. Um, so you can find me on Facebook, I think, and I'm called Marriage Saved by Christ. Um, you'll find me in um, on a page called Marriage Saved by Christ. And please join me there and then let us join this movement to save marriages. I believe a lot of marriages can be saved with God's help. Thank you. Awesome. I believe you being here is sowing into relationships as we speak marriages are being restored hallelujah uh, thank you so much claire for joining me i will put all of those links in the description listeners you can find them there and you can find claire and her services again you are a blessing claire thank you so much for speaking to the blenders thank you for having me of course Thanks for tuning in. I hope you heard something throughout the episode that could make all the difference. Please take a moment to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of that blended goodness. Episodes are up and running on the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. Until then, do not settle for anything less than what's possible.